God bless you, uh, Real Life Church in Montrose, Michigan. I'm uh, Pastor Tim Forstoff. I pastor down in Highland, Michigan, a Cornerstone Church. Many of you have come to our Princess Warrior Women's Event or perhaps our Man Up Event for the men. And we always enjoy having uh, your pastor and his lovely wife, Amy, uh, minister and uh, come to our church uh, events. Anyway, he asked me to share once again. I was with you two weeks ago, and uh, we talked about devotions. We talked about uh, spiritual disciplines. We looked at an Old Testament passage out of the book of Genesis, where the Bible says Isaac uh, redigged the wells of his father Abraham. And we looked at those wells as spiritual disciplines that we need to be faithful in, the disciplines of prayer, the word of God, church attendance, fasting, those spiritual disciplines that if we would dig those wells faithfully do those things, we'll find water, we'll find grace, we'll find the Spirit, and it will be a great refreshing for us living in this wilderness. Well, I want to talk about why read the Bible. Reading the Scriptures obviously is a spiritual discipline, and I'd like to talk about that today. But before I do, just want to shout out to Pastor Tim and his lovely wife, Amy. If you're watching online today, God bless you. Ron and I love and appreciate you so much. You have a great church. You're doing a great work right there in Montrose. I love the fact that you love each other, that you love the Lord, that you love the Bible, that you love people, that you love your community, that you love your local church. That is wonderful. God bless you. Such a joy to know the both of you. All right, let's talk about why read the Bible. I'm going to start out with a famous passage of Scripture on the Scriptures. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 3. It's verses 16 and 17. It reads as follows. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work. So there we have the fact that the scripture is inspired. That means God breathed. The scripture is from God. When the Bible says it's inspired of the Lord, that means it's from God. You know, we know that the Bible is not written from the heart of man, but rather it was written by men from the heart of God. It's inspired, the breath of God. There's an anointing on it. It's from God. We also know that the Bible is inerrant, inspired, and infallible. As I've already mentioned, when we say it's inspired, meaning it's from God. When we say it's inerrant, it means it's incapable of being wrong. It's without error. And when we say it's infallible, it's incapable of failing. The word of God is true. The promises of God is true. God will back up his word by the power of his name. Now, in talking about the Bible, scripture, we do not believe that the Bible contains the word of God. That somehow in these words, in these books, you can find God's word. That it's contained in here and you got to find it. We don't believe that. Nor do we believe that the Bible becomes the word of God when it speaks to you. That when the Bible is quickened to you, that's when it is inspired. No, we don't believe that either. What we do believe is this, that the Bible is the word of God. It is the word of God. Genesis to Revelation. When I was in Bible school, I learned about the verbal plenary inspiration of Scripture. Verbal 
Every word is inspired. Plenary is full or complete. All the words are inspired. So every word is inspired. Everything from Genesis to Revelation is inspired. Some people think the words of Jesus are more inspired than the other words in the Bible, but that's not true. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. We thank God for the words of Jesus and uh, those red letter edition script. You know, I have a red letter edition Bible. And uh, as you look at it, you can see the words of Jesus in red, which is nice. But I want you to know that it's no more inspired than the words of Moses or the words of the Apostle Paul or the words of the Apostle Peter that he wrote. It's all inspired. So the Bible is the word of God. It doesn't contain the word of God. It doesn't become the word of God. It is the word of God as it speaks to us. And since it is the word of God, it's authoritative. It has the thus saith the Lord to it. They are commands, not suggestions. And the word of God is sufficient. It, through the word of God, we're born again. Through the word of God, faith comes into our heart. Through the word of God, we are thoroughly equipped to every good work. Through the word of God, we hear God's voice. We know his will. We discern his direction. The word of God is his commandments. It's his statutes. It's his judgments. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day long. Now, the Bible is food for your soul. It's food for your soul. I don't know if you've ever heard that cliche, you are what you eat. Have you ever heard that? You are what you eat. So they want you to eat healthy. You know, I remember years ago when my daughter was just like one year old, maybe. My, my wife had gone. She left me in charge of, the, of my little girl. And it was lunchtime. And uh, she was a picky eater. And so I thought I'd start her out getting her eating. And so I started her out with Cheetos and also with cookies. And my wife happened to come home at just the time when she was almost done with the Cheetos and cookies. And she says, what are you feeding our daughter? And I said, well, I thought I'd start with the Cheetos and the cookies and then move on to more healthy stuff. No, you can't feed our daughter cookies and Cheetos and expect her to grow up strong. You need to feed her good things because you are what you eat. Now, listen to this. It says in Proverbs 15, verse 4, a wise person is hungry for knowledge, while the fool feeds on trash. And what are you eating? What are you putting into your heart, your soul, your spirit? The Bible says the fool feeds on trash. And there's a lot of trash out there, am I right? That you could just read, watch, ingest. And next thing you know, you're not growing up in the things of the Lord like you should. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, that we are to be nourished, the idea of eating, nourished in the words of faith and of good doctrine. So the Bible is that food for your soul. It's actually a five-course meal. That's right. The scripture is like a five-course meal. On our anniversary, my wife and I love to go to a restaurant uh, near us, and it's a it's a, just a wonderful Italian restaurant. We get the best filet mignon there that you can get. It's expensive. That's why we only go once a year on a special occasion. But, uh, you know, it's a fancy restaurant. They got tablecloths and everything, candles at the table. And the, the waiters come and they got the, the towel draped over their arm. And it's all very, 
very proper, lots of pomp and circumstance associated with it. But the meal that you get is a five-course meal. And by the time you're done, you are full. You've eaten to the full. But it's a five-course meal. Well, the Bible is a five-course meal. The Bible says it's water. Listen to this. Proverbs 25, 25. As cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a far country. The gospel is good news. It's from a far country, heaven. The king sent good news down to us. And the Bible says this good news is like cold water. The Bible is also milk. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. The Bible is also meat. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 5.14. Solid food or solid meat belongs to those who are mature. The Bible also is honey. The Bible says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And finally, the Bible is bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So water, milk, meat, honey, bread. It's a five-course meal. I tell you what, the scriptures are wonderful. You know, when I first got saved, I went to Bible college, and we had chapel every day, Monday through Friday, from 11 a.m. to 12.20. Then when chapel ended, the day was done, we could go on our day. But chapel every day, and I remember they had a guest minister come in, and he's talking about the Bible. And he talked about his love for the Word of God. He talked about, before I go up to preach, I kiss the Word. And he talked to us about how we should love the Word of God. Not worship the Word, Bibleolatry, but simply love the Word. And, you know, that just really spoke to my heart. And still to this day, every now and then, before I go up to preach, I kiss the Word. I just want the Lord to know that I love His Word. I love His Word. Oh, how I love your Word. It is my meditation all the day long. I was talking with a minister once, and uh, he was telling me about how much he loves the Word. And he says, I have a little pocket New Testament, and I put it under my pillow every night. And I lay my head on that pillow because I want the Word close to my heart and close to my mind all night long. I tell you what, God should give you a love for the Word. God should give me a love for the Word, because the incarnate Word Jesus Christ is revealed in the written word. And I've learned this. My love for Jesus is directly related to my love for his word and vice versa. Well, let's answer that question. Why read the word? I'm going to take you to an Old Testament passage found in the book of Exodus chapter 16. I got about eight verses to read here. It reads as follows. And they journeyed from Elam and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of sin which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. So six weeks after God took them out of Egypt through that Red Sea, they came to this place. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. 
And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full. For ye have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Then on it goes. The Lord performs this miracle. Reading verse 14. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as the frost on the ground. So a small little substance. When the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. That phrase, what is it, is manna in Hebrew. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each person's need, one omer for each person, according to the number of persons, let every man take for those who are in his tent. Then the children of Israel did so and gathered some, more, some, less. So when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over. He who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. And Moses said, let no one leave any of it till morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses, but some of them left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was angry with them. So they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need, and when the sun became hot, it melted. Well, that's a great passage of Scripture. Why read the Bible? Well, first of all, it's heavenly food. The Bible says that I will rain bread from heaven for you. It's heavenly food. Why do we need heavenly food? Because we're a tripart being, body, soul, and spirit. When you are saved, you have a spirit man, as it were. Your spirit has been quickened by the Lord's spirit. And now you are one spirit with God. It happens when you're born of the spirit of God. And that spirit on the inside of you, that spirit man, if you don't mind me calling it that, it needs food. And I tell you what, you can have steak and cauliflower and salad and ice cream and not a single one of those things will feed that spirit man. You need something from heaven. The word of God is heavenly food that can minister and feed that spirit man on the inside. The second reason why you need to read the Bible is because it is manna. That's important, isn't it? When the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And then Moses said, this is the bread. What is it? Now listen to this. The world does not understand what this is. It's of God. It's from heaven. It's supernatural. The scripture even says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The natural man does not understand the things of God. Children of Israel walking out of their tents there in the wilderness, they look and they see something they've never seen before. Uh, this bread sent down from heaven. Manna is what they called it. What is it? It's manna. It's supernatural. 
They've never seen it before. They didn't understand what it was. But when you give your heart to Christ, the Spirit of God is living on the inside of you. All of a sudden, your eyes are open to understand what this is. You can understand it. You can perceive it. It feeds you. So you need to read the Bible because it's heaven food for your spirit man because it is supernatural. It's manna made just for you. And number three, it is all sufficient. This is the only food they needed to sustain them in the wilderness for how long? 40 years. It met their every need. It strengthened them, grew them, and was health to them. God had to teach them that this is what they needed. Can you imagine that? They didn't need quail. They didn't need the cattle. They didn't need to sacrifice the goat and eat the goat. All they needed was this manna to sustain them in the wilderness. Now listen to this. The Bible is the manna. The wilderness is the world in which we live. What do we need to sustain ourselves spiritually for as many years as we have down here? The manna, the heavenly food, the word sent down from heaven. Listen to Deuteronomy 8 verse 3. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that you shall not live by bread alone, but, by, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. God wants to teach us how we so need this. We don't need the things of this world, but we need the scriptures, the word of God. It is God's will to us. It is God's voice to us. It is God's commands to us. It is what will keep us. It will strengthen us. It's what, it's what keeps us healthy. Healthy. If we're not feeding on the word, I want you to know we're going to be conformed to the world. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And one of the ways that we renew our mind is to renew it by reading and studying the word of God. That makes sense? Of course it makes sense. Now, how do you read the word? Well, here in Exodus chapter 16, it tells us, gives us some practical ways to read the Bible. Number one, you gather it in the morning. Now, depending on your schedule and your physical makeup or your temperament, Morning might not be a good time for you. You're, you have a trouble getting up out of bed. But many of you are morning people, and morning works great. And in this passage of Scripture, morning was quite the crucial matter. In other words, the first moment of the day, the first thing they do of the day was to read the Word. It speaks of priority, all right? And the Bible needs to be a priority in our life. So they gathered it in the morning. And the Bible says this. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. And then later goes on and says when the sun came up, it just melted it. So they didn't gather it in the morning. It was gone. Vanished. Well, that speaks volumes to me. It came with the dew. The dew of heaven, which is the Holy Spirit. I want you to know that the Holy Spirit comes with this. There's a unique connection to the Word and the Spirit. Water and the Word, as it were. Water and bread. That's what we need. The Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. He can give you understanding. The Spirit of God quickens passages to you. The Spirit of God stirs within you as, the, as you read the Bible. The Spirit of God wrote the scriptures through men. 
He's the best interpreter of these scriptures. And as you read the word, you feel quickened by the Spirit of God from within to be strengthened with all might in your spirit by the word of God and by the Spirit of God. It's wonderful. It's supernatural. So what I do every morning is I read the Bible. I read the Bible through Genesis to Revelation every single year. I've done this for decades. Every single morning I read the Bible. I have a Bible reading program. I read Old Testament passage. I read a New Testament passage. I add on that Psalms and Proverbs. I go through the Bible. When uh, December 31st comes, I'm finishing the book of Revelation. And then when January 1st starts up, I'm reading the book of Genesis and reading the Gospel of Matthew. I just do it. Every morning, I go out and I gather it. The second thing, you gather it every day except the Sabbath. That's what the Bible teaches us here in Exodus chapter 16. Their Sabbath was Saturday, the last day of the week. But our Sabbath is the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, Sunday. And why don't you need to gather it on a Sunday? Because you go to church and you're taught and fed the Word of God in that church from your pastor. He spreads a table for you on that Lord's Day. You don't have to go and read it for yourself. You come and it's given to you. You don't have to work for it on your Sunday. All you simply do is receive. Receive. You read the Word. You study the Word. You memorize the Word. You meditate on the Word. And the fifth way you bring the Word into your heart is you hear the Word. And that's what you do on your Sunday, the Lord's Day. You go in our, and you hear the Word of God. I tell you what, the Spirit of God will quicken it to your heart. So you gather it in the morning, you gather it every day except on the Sabbath or as New Testament believers, the Lord's Day. You gather it for you and your household. That's what it says in verse 16. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need. One omer for each person according to the number of persons. Let every man take for those who are in his tent. So you gather it for yourself and for your household. Now listen parents. You gather it for your household. You teach your children the Word of God. They're in your household. I had two children, Hannah and Luke. They're now fully grown. But I remember when they were living in my household. And when they were little, my wife and I would teach them the Word. We'd talk to them about the Word. We'd had a children's Bible. We'd read them the Word of God. We brought them to church, and the church would teach them the Word of God as well. But you know what? Eventually they got old enough where they had to get out of their tent and go out and help gather the manna for the household. I remember when my daughter said, Daddy, she's just like eight years old. Daddy, I want to learn to read the Bible for myself. And I remember I got her a translation that was easy to understand. I gave her some directions. I told her, now you just read this much every day, you know, according to her age, according to her ability according to her level of faith, as she began to read the Word. Did the same with my son. All right? So you gather it in the morning, every day, except the Sabbath or the Lord's Day, for you and your household, and you, one final point, you gather it for a lifetime.
this passage of scripture, Exodus chapter 16, it says that they were delivered from Egypt through the Red Sea. Then the Bible says on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. That's six weeks after they were brought through that Red Sea. They had brought provision with them out of Egypt. I'm sure they were eating that, but they ran out of that provision. And then all of a sudden they're looking around and said, we don't have any food to eat. And they start complaining to Moses. So six weeks into their new walk with God, right? They're a brand new people. Just six weeks into their new walk with God, they realize we need heavenly food. And God provided manna. Now listen to this. In Joshua chapter 5 verse 12. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna. But they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. Forty years in the wilderness, they began manna six weeks into their journey. So as new believers or new followers, and then for their entire wilderness journey, they ate manna. When they crossed the Jordan River into the promised land, the manna ceased. What does this mean? We eat of the word of God our lifelong journey. When we cross over the Jordan River into our promised land called heaven, we no longer will need to gather that manna every single day. But this manna is something for our entire lifelong journey down here in this wilderness, which is the world. If they had to do it for 40 years and you live 80 years, you're going to have to do it for 80 years. But when you cross over the Jordan River of death and enter into your heavenly rest, the promised land, I want you to know you no longer have to get out there and gather it. Why? Because you will be worshiping God and knowing him even as you are known. And we no longer have to read this word to understand him. We will know in heaven. Praise the Lord. And so this Bible is for a lifetime journey with God. You know what happened after they were eaten of this wonderful manna? Now it was sweet to the taste. And so God gave them taste buds that said, I like it. And when you're saved, God gives you spiritual taste buds that say, I like it. I love the taste of this. This is food for my soul. This is sweet to my taste. But you know what happened? They began to disdain the manna. Now that can happen if you're not careful. I don't want this. I'm tired of this. I don't need this. I like what the world gives me. I'm going to start feeding on the trash of this world. Yeah, they, they, they'd want the leeks from Egypt. But God has given them the manna from heaven. Always cultivate and love the word of God. Can you say amen to that? Now, in conclusion, who needs to make a fresh commitment to read the scriptures every day? Do you need to do that? Why read the Bible? It's heavenly food, it's manna, and it is sufficient to sustain us. That's why we read it. Do you need to make a fresh commitment to this? Be more faithful at it. If you do, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you, Lord, for Real Life Church in Montrose. Thank you for Pastor Tim and Amy. And Lord, I do pray for all those that are watching. 
Lord, if they need to make a fresh commitment to get into the scriptures, oh God, so motivate them to do so. And I pray, Lord, as they open up the word, that you will give them understanding that this word will come with the dew of heaven, that spirit of God that can quicken them to the word of God. Make them alive unto God, I pray in Jesus' name. All right, been great to be with you today. I can't wait to once again connect with Pastor Tim and Amy in the future and see what all God is doing at the great church there in Montrose, Michigan called Real Life Church. You have yourself a great day in Jesus.